0: All right. I think I'm ready to go on my part. How about you guys? Yeah, I think so. Yep. As far as anyone can be ready for the flick lap experience. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: <totally good. laughs> Hitting the theme tune and then we can start after. Did I get it right?
1: (laughs) I think so, yes, that was very good.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Uh, As a guest today, we have Mr. Ali Pitts from the Russophiles Unite movie podcast. Welcome.
1: Privyet, privet. Thank you very much for having me on the show. It's very kind of you.
0: Well, it's very kind of you to join us, and uh, this has been coming for a while. We were trying to get you to the podcast earlier, but uh life happened and now we're finally here
1: yes i was the mysterious uh would have been guest for the come and see episode so if you ever wondered who that was supposed to be that that was that was me just being a bit flaky and like (laughs) deciding i didn't want to put myself through that movie uh again
0: (laughs) yeah that's completely understandable uh yeah that, yeah, that. Actually, we timed that episode to be the Christmas episode. Henrik, isn't that right, right my co-host? What <laughs> <laughs> was it? Was it our
2: Christmas
1: episode?
0: It was, and that's. Yeah. that was the whole joke about it. Very and, fun, and,
1: and it was. I mean, I haven't seen uh, "Merry Christmas, Mister Lawrence," but I understand that it's <laughs> it's Christmassy, kind of in name only. <laughs>
2: it, it, it right. is it is it is very colorful and joyous film.
1: <laughs> I know enough about that film to suspect that's not entirely true.
0: Yeah, that was the previous year's Christmas episode.
1: So so what what is it for this year? Is it Salo or something like that? Well, <laughs> Henrik.
0: <laughs> Henrik was supposed to drop me the name, but I don't think this has been yet decided. Or how is it looking like, Henrik?
2: I I I have I have few suggestions. Okay. I, like, Three of them. And we, we can see if we we agree on any of my picks, or if you just wanna, you know, dictate what we are gonna check out. <laughs> None what? of them is Die Hard because I refuse. I refuse to do Die Hard as a Christmas episode.
0: No, no, no. We will do it as a summer film. You'll Forget.
1: <laughs> I actually had last last Christmas. I watched the first two back to back with my father in law, and yeah, there's a distinct like quality drop off between one and two and it's we got to the not end of, that bad it's not that bad Part it's still enjoyable don't much, get me much. wrong <laughs> don't get me wrong two is two is fun and and I think we pretty much like at the end of it like we turned to each other and went that was kind of stupid but I still enjoyed it
0: <laughs> it felt like a complete ripoff of the first one in many mm,
1: ways yeah it's yeah, yeah. not that
0: bad uh, it's not that bad though I can watch it yeah, and it has T one thousand in it, so
1: it, it does indeed. Yeah, I remember <laughs> being surprised when he turned up because I think that was the first time I'd actually seen two like beginning to end. Uh, oh no, I haven't seen the Moscow set one because I refuse to acknowledge that <laughs> existence. I mean, maybe we'll cover it on Russofals eventually, but I don't know. Someone would have to pay me a significant bribe based on what I've heard about it. It's yeah. As as someone who has
2: checked the entire series, I, I can say that with a vengeance. And this comes from someone who who is kind of an ap- apologist for for part two.
1: But, as as we just discovered,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but with a vengeance, it's the last good diehard uh, film.
1: Yeah, hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I heard that's the general consensus because <laughs> uh, I've seen four, and it's. It was enjoyable, <laughs> but at the same time it was just completely, completely stupid.
2: Yeah. It, it is, it is, and the Moscow one was it Good Day to Die Hard or something like that. It's it's, it's a complete disaster. It's a film that I I'm I'm positive. Like this is, I have a strong belief that that the Moscow one was never intended to be a diehard movie. Like, mm. It was some other script, and they, then they just doctor it to to have John McLean and to tie it into the franchise.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, I, I I guess it's sort of informally known as a good day to kill the franchise. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Speaking uh, of Moscow, uh, what's the Sean Connery film with the Moscow theme, Henrik? You must. Yeah, I think maybe Ali Pits has already covered it in the podcast. I'm not sure. What's the first Yes.
2: It's 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 the it's 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 <laughs> the Le Carre filmatization. Uh
0: the Russia House.
1: That's yeah, the one, yes. Precisely.
0: Yeah. Haven't seen yes. it. Sounds interesting.
1: I saw it maybe like four or five years ago. It's it's not bad. Um it's definitely on the list to cover maybe at some point, but I suspect I'll be getting to hunt to Red October much mm. sooner in terms of connery being uh involved in a russia movie uh, it, it's... it kind of depends on
2: on your taste like what what you want from a connery spy flick mm. if if you want more more adventurous more actiony experience like for example something that that still would have an essence of james bond in it then i would say that that to hunt for the dec- red october is is a better pick because there, there there is more things that happen russia house as far as i remember much like basically everything that that is based on le carre's books it's it's very slow it's it's a film where nothing major really happens or or, or does happen but but major things usually are just you know a, a, a handful of people in a room discussing about something really important
1: yeah and there's a, like a subtext that like unless somebody does something now bad things could happen subtext subtext subtext
2: yeah um... like, like for example tinker tailor which is one of the most celebrated belakare filmatishans well yes. from the from the recent years from the yeah, oh, it's, uh, it's
1: like 10 years ago that makes me feel so old <laughs> is
2: it that old
1: jesus I christ i think it is i think it is about 10
2: years old yeah but but still uh, extremely celebrated adaptation and that film I, I i would say 60% of that film it's just people going through different types of folders and trying to get their hands <laughs> on folders
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just in very brown 70s rooms and just people Ew. smoking a hell of a lot of cigarettes.
0: I'm allergic yep. to brown rooms. Henry can testify.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, switching gears completely. Indeed. Ali, uh, how did you come up to create this, your podcast?
1: Uh, well, so I guested on a show called Classic Schmassick, uh about four years ago which had basically the same formula of like having a pre-film and then post-film discussion like the 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 concept is that like supposedly one or other or both of the people on the on the podcast won't have seen the film before we watch it we have a a pre-chat about what we're going to watch then we go away watch the film come back and discuss what we thought so i just like ripped that whole format and just went i'm going to use this except to talk about famous russian and soviet films and then also occasionally films that are on a russian theme like either an adaptation of a of a russian novel or something about russian history that's done by either hollywood or something else i think so far it's only been hollywood but there's other things out there that i'm that are on the list to cover so that's essentially the story of my podcast is just rampant thievery of other people's uh ideas but you know talent talent borrows etc etc <laughs> <laughs> i've had several returning guests and when it's ret- a returning guest it's usually like a kind of five ten minute hey how are things going what's the movie we're going to watch let's go yeah. whereas uh, when i have a new guest especially if they have a particular connection with the subject matter of the film or they've got an interesting like russia related story it'll be a it'll be a longer episode so yeah we kind of vary anything between like sort of like 45 minute episode and a some a coming up towards being like an hour and a half an hour and 45 uh, except we just released an episode that was like three hours because i got really carried away <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah uh research yeah it, it varies on like how busy i am with uh, other things and how lazy or not i'm feeling so yeah results may vary um i'm I'm not as diligent as you guys
0: well i was just about to say henrik that 45 minutes episode length sounds about right
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) we can we can we can just cut you off the air at the 45 minute mark and be done with it
1: (laughs) yeah hard stop
0: (laughs) yeah it's gonna be interesting how the power dynamics are gonna work here tonight because we have two actual hosts of the show here now i'm basically the guy who's kind of leading the whole thing and moving it forward and while well, henrik is just the slave oh no just kidding uh
1: <laughs> dark um, i was go- i was gonna say he's he's the flavor slave to your chuck d
0: <laughs> i would love to by the way see if you would cover the the unknown soldier in your podcast because it's kind of russia related maybe too much finnish related but maybe the perspective or perhaps actually the lack of lack of perspective that you don't get really anything about the the Russian perspective or or how they were in the war, how that mm. makes you feel.
1: Sorry, I haven't caught that episode yet, but I'm guessing that's about the uh I guess it's called the Winter War in uh... There's the
0: Winter War, but this movie is based on the continuation war. Oh, okay. Which came gotcha. After yeah. the Winter War. Right. Um... And uh, this is kind of kind of the bible of finland as we discussed in the last episode about it and we have made three goddamn movie adaptations about this book so gotcha.
1: uh, yeah, yeah 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 i mean you guys have got a, a lot to answer for in the in the in the sense that you uh put up much more of the fo- of a fight than the red army was expecting and so that kind of i mean i don't know how accurate this is but this, the story goes that uh uh, that Hitler was like, oh, if, if if the Finns are kicking the Red Army's ass, then imagine what we could do to them because there's a yeah. lot more of us than there are Finns, <laughs> so, so let's go. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, S- S- Siege of Stalingrad essentially was Finland's fault. That, that's the reading <laughs> I'm getting here.
1: <laughs> oh, oh yeah. That's that's what that's what everyone in Britain thinks. Is, is like, yeah, yeah. It's it's a regular topic of conversation. It's like how's the weather? Oh yeah, World War Two is indirectly Finland's fault. <laughs> it, it's yeah. it's nothing. It's nothing to do with the fact that like we said to Hitler, stop taking land off people. We you know if you if you go into Czechoslovakia, there'll be big problems. Oh, you went into Czechoslovakia. Uh, uh, we don't really feel like fighting you, so I guess it's okay. Uh, please don't do it again, though. Oh, no, you've just done it again.
0: Uh... <laughs> yeah, Henrik, like I told you, the Finnish role in the parts of Second World War is much bigger than you give it credit for. But uh, it, there is a lot to be said about or different perspectives of how much actually Finland won in those wars.
1: Am I right in saying that that's... Uh, it was the Winter War that the Molotov cocktail was invented, supposedly, or at least gained the name.
2: This is largely a guess from my end that it would have been Winter.
0: It's a wonderfully sarcastic naming invention. Yeah, <laughs> tells something about it the fins.
1: <laughs> yes. So I guess I guess having a dark sense of humor is something that you uh, that you share with the, mm-hmm. with the Russians. Uh.
0: <laughs> I suppose, yeah. All right. So, why is Ali actually in this podcast episode to talk about tonight's film? What's your connection to this film, actually?
1: Well, it's a it's a Russian film. I, I mean, technically, a Soviet film. Um, and it's one that I really, really, really enjoy. Like, I covered it for for my podcast, and no. I really think that more people should see it. It's by lm klimov um who is way more famous in the west for directing come and see Mm. and this is his like his first film and it's like there's a similar level of like expertise to the like you can see his talent as a director but tonally it's so different so i i kind of want to be flying the flag for like hey this guy it wasn't just a fluke that come and see was great he was just a Really good director. And also, this doesn't make you want to just, like, go into the fetal position and cry about how horrible humanity is. Uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to, like, champion this film. But anyway, yeah, how did you guys get on with it? Uh, I mean, I'm probably, like, jumping the gun slightly, but... Uh...
0: Well, for me, it was my first time of seeing the film, and uh, I was absolutely stunned, shocked when I heard that it's his first film.
1: Okay yeah 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 it is like remarkably accomplished.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell our listeners where you're actually located?
1: So yeah I'm I'm in the UK. I live in a town called Milton Keynes which if you don't live in the UK you probably won't have heard of because it's kind of a hmm. nondescript commuter town that's like about 35 45 minutes on the train from London. So but I did live in Moscow for five years in in my late 20s so that's kind of my russia connection
0: how did you end up in russia actually
1: um so i graduated a couple of years before the financial crisis and i really didn't have like a strong idea of what i wanted to do career-wise um and back when i went to university the attitude was very much like, oh, just get a degree in anything. And as long as you go to a half-decent university, you'll be fine. There's a ton of jobs. The economy is doing great. So, yeah, I didn't have like a really really strong focus on what I wanted to do after I graduated. I had a notion that I wanted to teach. I tried that out like I was a teaching assistant for about a year. And I decided I just did not want to be stuck permanently with... Uh, teenagers or kids, the rest of my professional life. So, but that did kind of lead me on to the idea of teaching English as a foreign language. So, I got my qualification in that. I was in my early ish 20s and I just thought I want to spend a bit more time not in the UK. I'd, I'd done a like three month exchange program uh, to Denmark during my university years. So, it was like, ah oh, I would like to see more of the world, but I also want to like not accumulate massive amounts of debt by just backpacking. Yeah. Um, so I thought I will teach English as a foreign language because then I can be working and kind of paying my way and just having a bit more of a like a normal, experience at least that was my notion at the time so so yeah like getting the english teaching qualification allowed me to uh to be able to move somewhere and i kind of thought that i would be doing like a year or two in russia and then moving on but that's sort of not how things went i ended up uh, uh staying staying longer as as that's where i i met my wife so who isn't russian she's she's american but was like also based in in Russia at the time, so it just made more sense for us to stay where we were because we had you know friends and jobs there so yeah, we ended up sticking there for another like three years um and then we ended up coming back to the uk uh, so so yeah that's mm. my that's my background and my Russia connection. It's weird actually it's it's now over five years since I left, but it doesn't feel that long ago.
0: Yeah, the bug stayed with you, and this was Moscow.
1: It was yes. Yeah. Um, traveled a little bit around Russia, like uh, just the odd vacation slash holiday. This is the other thing about being being married to an American. Like my my version of English is totally broken. Like I never <laughs> I never know whether to go with with my like <laughs> native variation or whether to kind of like switch to the. Uh, uh, American version so I'm better understood in certain parts of the world
0: <laughs> um, Oh my god, yeah Some of our closer listeners may have noticed that little <laughs> trick that I pulled on the barat episode I felt that at, at, at that, that point that um I'm kind of done with the American-ish accent that I'm pulling here and I tried to do the British accent out of, out of the blue <laughs> I don't know how, how that worked that was quite broken as well but uh I have some weird gravitation towards the the English accent.
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting. In Russia they are as a general rule, this is obviously a massive generalization, but they they certainly I experienced that like British English is kinda like has a more privileged status than American English. Like I don't know how much of that is just like uh sort of ill feeling like towards america because uh you know the simplistic version is that america beat them in the cold war so they're a bit sore about that but yeah there does seem to be like this stereotypical attitude among some some russians that's like well british english is the proper version and like mm. the american english is some kind of like illegitimate stepchild but i'm just like no that's not true at all uh then again there's lots of british people who have that attitude as well it's just yeah it's kind of silly really but yeah Mm. um, yeah there is this like well this is the proper version and this is it's like no it's like when you're separated Mm. by uh, you know a big distance and like political independence then of course things are going to develop along slightly different lines and it's just like well it's not a question of better it's just different anyway (laughs) uh, public service announcement over (laughs) (laughs)
0: by the way do you have been scouts or have you been at some kind of camps before and what are your experiences of camping with maybe some group or i don't know Um, alone
1: (laughs) so i was never i was never in the uh scouts per se but uh there was like uh like church camps that i went to for years and years um in my like pre-teens and teens so uh so yeah there definitely is a sort of uh i guess uh a kind of nostalgia attached to this 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 film in a weird way although it's obviously a very very different context um but yeah so uh yeah i, d- I do have a little bit of a experience of um spending uh like a i mean my the ones i would go to would be would be a week at a time so it was like literally like 6 days i think um but yeah oh my goodness that's so long ago <laughs> but uh yeah how about you guys did did you have any kind of equivalent of this
0: i have some bits and pieces of memories because i was i was a scout uh early on but uh the most of the time we didn't even do any scouting really we were more at the kind of our office eating popcorn than doing the actual scouting so it was (laughs) kind of weird but i do remember some funny stuff like especially funny like people teasing me at the camp and uh some some dude was on top of a really high tree and pissing from that tree on top of everyone else and apparently that was really funny
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that does sound like something that would happen with like pre-teen slash teen boys
0: yeah Uh, 10 or something 11 12
1: yeah it's funny like these days i am very very not outdoorsy so the idea of spending like a whole week under canvas just sort of horrifies me but yeah (laughs) apparently i was a bit more robust when i was younger
0: what about henrik
1: well yeah, and no, like, we we don't
2: have anything like this exactly in, in Finland. Yep. What this is, like, the camp of the fin- uh, film, where it's most, its co- closest resemblance in in Finland would be, like Karri already said, it, w- it would be the scout camps, but even even though they, in in practical sense, they are kind of similar to, to the camp of the fil- film, they don't really have this 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 aspect that you have to do it, you have to go to the camp, and it's a huge deal that that you go through it, and there is no this kind of, this type of maternity aspect
1: mm-hmm. to the yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: scout camping. On on that sense, what it I. I would say it's it's closest to in in Finnish scene, would be a confirmation camp, okay, which which is e- mm. extremely Christian institution at at least for us. Yeah.
0: Did you but, go? Did you go to this confirmation?
1: Yeah, I mean, what? mine was mine was a like it was a Christian camp, but it wasn't okay. connected necessarily with uh, with confirmation as that's that. That's kind of like, uh, this is more of a, like, I guess, sort of different denomination from the Church of England. So they have, like, different things about, like, you know, Mm. they don't have confirmation in quite the same sense. But, yeah, uh, so it wasn't quite so connected with that. Um, But, yeah, anyway.
2: I also, I, I went through the confirmation camp period when i i was a period teenager well in in finland pretty much is like you reach a certain age and then it's expected of you that you really go through it it's it's a whole phase i i know where you were alluding to with with period
0: no Uh, i i don't know what you're alluding me to here but uh for my part, I was kind of the young rebel, and <laughs> my father was tr- trying to coax me to go to this camp. Offered me thousand marks as a as a payment after it, and I still said no, no, thank you. Gosh, gotcha. ne- I never went.
2: <laughs> you, you just should have taken the money. <laughs> to be a- absolutely honest, like
1: Oh the idealism of youth. <laughs>
0: I cannot be bored. <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> so I guess this is the kind of film podcast where I'm the authoritative Dinin and Henrik is the Inochkin, but I will dig up Henrik here every week to <laughs> stage perform for everyone's pleasure. Why did we choose this film now? Henrik
2: repeat a a beat me really
0: because
2: uh, you, I, 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 you I asked know. me
1: to make two suggestions or you asked me for suggestions and i suggested this one or another one and this is the one that like you decided that you would prefer out of the two options uh, i gave uh, you yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah
2: essentially essentially we landed on this film um, just to coax you the guest on <laughs> on our po- podcast we are pretty familiar with with the directors well come and see as, as already stated so in on that regard this was also there was a certain amount of interest from me and Carrie to also check out a film from the director that is com- totally completely different
0: yeah yeah this choice is not my fault. This time, Henrik. So we can blame <laughs> only our guest, as any self-respecting podcast should do.
1: I mean, why ha- why have a-, a guest if you're not going to pin things on them,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> Finnish mentality. <laughs> and I believe for Henrik and me, this is the first time seeing this film. Yup. Yeah. Yup. Yeah.
1: I think this is this was the third or fourth time I would seen it, but
0: a little overview of the film. It's worldwide, worldwide known as Welcome or No Trespassing. And in the UK known as No Holiday for Inochkin. And in Russia known as... Ali, can you help me out here?
1: Okay, yeah, so it's Dobro Pajalovat ili Fod Uh Which, if you're going to be like super literal about it, is something like Welcome or Mm. Or entry is forbidden to outsiders.
0: Right. Very long title. Yes. I really can't stand the romanization of of Russian because I yeah, it's it doesn't make any sense for me. Like for example, this V K H O D, and it's still a fod.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. Any anytime you see a transliteration of Russian that's kh. It's more like a h. Huh. Yeah. It's like it's like a yeah h huh in English, but more of a yeah. It's like a h. Huh
0: yeah, it's a uh, going in on. Polish. I think it's the same sound, but it's written as ch. So I get a little uh, bit confused.
1: <laughs> yeah, I must say I've dabbled with Polish on Duolingo, like the language learning app, and oh, God. I find yeah. I mean, I find just like understanding how you know combinations of latin letters equal these sounds i just find it very hard to get my head around and the fact mm. that you've got all of like these different like diacritics and like marks that mean different things and it's like uh, actually yeah. learning a whole new alphabet was easier than this <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i think you get used to it but uh, it can look like nonsense first for sure
1: Yeah, 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 because just, like, letter combinations don't mean the same thing. Like, when you're used to, like, C-H meaning ch in English and it's it's something else, it's like, "Mm, this is confusing, my poor brain.
0: In case you haven't seen this film, dear listener, I suggest that you first watch the film and then come back, but it's a, a satirical comedy about the excessive restrictions that children face during the vacation in a young pioneer camp, as per Wikipedia, because I'm pretty lazy today.
1: <laughs> um, there may or not or may not be a subtext about the camp standing in for the Soviet Union. I've never seen it mm. officially explained as being that, but I definitely think that the, the subtext is that the camp is a metaphor for the country. <laughs>
0: I think in uh, very many ways and pretty obvious ways, and if you have seen also the, what's the nice little dentist movie from this guy as well?
1: Yeah, I've never actually seen it, but uh, yeah, I've heard that, that has quite a, like satirical edge uh, as well. I forget the title. It's yeah,
0: the Adventures of a Dentist.
1: Oh, that's right. Adventures yeah. of
0: a Dentist. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't think that it was, that interesting but uh, similar themes
1: mm, uh, gotcha
0: and this film welcome or no trespassers was completed in the summer of 1964 received a heavy or at least opposition from the state side when they started to realize what might be going on here
1: and, yeah uh, there's a story that um the i think it was the director's brother. Uh, told that uh, during the filming process they got a telegram from the authorities i think it was i think it was the um uh, it was gosk you know the like state cinema agency or state uh film agency basically saying uh yeah you need to stop production on this now and the director just like hid it on his desk and said let's just pretend we didn't get that and, and let's just Like carry on with the shoot, so they had to like really rush to finish it. But yeah, it's it's funny that doesn't really come across in the in a final product. But yeah, they it it. I'm not surprised this had problems with the sensors, but uh, yeah,
0: yeah. There's a bit of a different versions of how things went, and it's really hard to find any English written material regarding the background research here. But I also heard a version where it said that. A.L.M. Klimov actually tore the paper, the telegram apart and, and then just proceeded to go on with it. Mm. And it seemed like this was also the case with the uh, the release. They would have gotten already some kind of green light, but then the, the film, the, somebody saw it and they said, no, no, we're not going to push this out. And then he hurried to rush it out on some cinemas.
1: Yeah, I mean... it. it... Uh, judging by KinoPoisk, which is like the essentially the Russian equivalent of IMDb, mm. that said that it was seen by something like thirteen million uh, viewers. So it eventually got quite a, a wide release. Um, if that's if if that's correct, but yeah, um, apparently wasn't the smoothest like uh, process of getting it released.
0: Yeah, and also different versions about what the party leader uh khrushchev or
1: yeah khrushchev uh technically
0: yeah there was a version that said that he was supposed to do the film and then there's a version that he actually said something aching to uh, why are you holding this film like let it go this is funny
1: Yeah, yeah 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 um apparently uh one of the problems that censors had with it um this was in the russian wikipedia article so you know take with a with a pinch of salt but supposedly that the uh uh imaginary funeral scene which we'll get on to so this will make no sense but Mm -hmm. (laughs) the imaginary funeral scene um the a, a a picture of the deceased was thought to look far too much like uh, like Khrushchev, so uh, uh, so apparently the censors didn't like that, but I, I I mean it's still in the film, so apparently they 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 like relented, but yeah, apparently that wasn't uh, something that they were a fan of.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> I think it's kind of pushing it that somebody was saying that the grandmother would be kind of a parallel to Khrushchev. But, I
1: mean uh, I can kind of see it but there's a certain amount of like y- you know <laughs> uh yeah. uh just sort of elderly and um you know carrying a, carrying a couple of extra uh, extra pounds and that's about where the <laughs> resemblance ends but
0: <laughs> but I'm kind of surprised that this indeed went past the censors there there is this talk that there were so many movies at that point to go through that uh, some of it it was just impossible to go through all of them
1: yeah uh, i i don't know about that i i, I kind of get the impression that that sometimes they are just like like as long as as long as it wasn't like super overtly criticizing yeah. the party or you know communism then they'd kind of let things go especially in this era because they um this was still in the time of the Khrushchev Thor, so they were a little bit more relaxed about censorship and things got a bit more strict uh, when he was replaced by Brezhnev. It's not quite that simple, but in general uh, things were slightly less strict um, uh, uh, when he was in charge.
0: Yeah, I understand that he actually had some sense of humor too, that he could uh, see these scenes where he is being kind of a made fun of at the end and just play along with it seems like it
1: yeah i'm not sure i think there's different there's different versions i mean i mean certainly the if you've seen the death of stalin there's uh, um there's the there's the notion that he himself uh was was a bit of a a joker and, and liked uh um you know and that his sense of humor was an important aspect of his personality and you know how he even survived but uh, again might might take that with a pinch of salt but
0: yeah there is this whole story how this kind of a corn crusade of rushov he tried to make the corn kind of solve all the all the problems that stalin apparently (laughs) had during during those time times to feed his nation so this whole mm. the whole story with corn star started uh, but it didn't really then work out and uh, in a very awkward manner all things considered this project didn't didn't work out and I heard that he was doing pretty well in Russia with the whole corn project but then the cultivation was stupid because it was being cultivated in regions where it couldn't grow anyway things yeah, like I th- that
1: I think what i've heard about it is that um it might have worked but because they didn't really like properly know what they were doing they didn't take some precautionary measures to prevent soil erosion and and apparently because they didn't do this like this proper preparation it meant that uh, that you just uh the soil gave way and then the land was kind of unusable so Um, Yeah, basically, like, it was a massive disaster. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah. Uh, This whole corn thing is the most clear at the... clearest at the end when Inochkin comes out of the... uh, kind of the corn capsule, if you will.
1: Yes, yeah. There's the the whole business with the corn queen.
0: Yeah. Um, So, L.M. Klimov, I think we already... Kinda of mentioned it, uh, but there is, he is mostly known in or worldwide for his film *Come and See*. It is *Motre*, but this might be even more known inside Russia.
1: Yes, I think it's certainly more popular. Um, I mean, I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's like not incredibly depressing uh, might be something to do with it. But yeah, <laughs> like um, there was um, like again. Kinopoysk, the russian uh film site this apparently was ranked as like the 20th most popular like russian or soviet movie so it's kind of like it's up there in terms of like national favorites and apparently on that list you've got no tarkovsky because it's just a bit too like arty and slow and come and see is again not on that list because uh yeah it might be it might be a great movie. Is it a favorite movie? Uh, I mean, no. <laughs> you Absolutely. have to. It has to be. You have to have a like a very particular personality for that <laughs> to be, you know, a favorite that you come back to again and again. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, what what should we what should we watch this this Friday evening? Oh, just throw Come and See on. That'll be a <laughs> <off. laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Great family film for all the kids.
1: Indeed. Yes.
0: But this film actually is kind of something that it goes for the whole family, I would believe. and uh, Oh,
1: definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a mixture of like the visual and kind of slapstick comedy, but as we've already said, there's this kind of like satirical undertone that means it's enjoyable for older folks as well.
0: Yeah, I believe the idea was to mainly target it for adult audiences because of these messages, like, <laughs> I suppose. But... Uh, I don't know. I think it works for everybody.
1: Yeah, I think one of the reasons it might have eventually got approved by the censors is that they just didn't take it seriously as a, mm. as a satire, or they di- They just didn't view it as that. They just thought of it as being like this kind of fun, goofy kids' movie.
0: Yeah,
2: well, you
1: know, it, it it is. At least
2: in my opinion, like the, the core of the film, that is a. The surface level of the film is is pretty kid friendly. It's quite fantastical, in mm. in many scenes and in many ways. And when it comes to the political satire, it's very much below the. Or it's very much in the subtext, and it's it's in the little details where you have to be more or less familiar with, with the subject and where the where the film is hinting at to really even even pick up on, on the whole satire thing.
1: Yeah, and I wonder whether this has contributed to its kind of uh, relative obscurity outside of Russia, is that, you know, the whole thing about jokes not necessarily translating, or jokes not being funny if you have to explain them. It's almost like if... You know, if you have to say this is funny because then it ceases mm. to be funny. So I think that's perhaps part of it. But I think there's enough visual humor in this that it, it, it you know, should be able to be enjoyed on that level. But also it's, you know, a 50 year old black and white movie. So just like superficially, that doesn't sound like necessarily everyone's cup of tea. So,
0: yeah, I quite, quite enjoyed the very imaginative uh kind of all the the, actually the imagination what we see of inochkin thinking of these adult characters in funny situations when he hears some kind of a word or phrase those are pretty hilarious
1: yes i don't want to give away my favorite scene but uh, yeah just yet but yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's quite a lot that i could see as some some kind of a criticism of the state there is the uh, doing the administrator who follows the camp rules to the t and uh, because he believes not following the rules will lead to accidents so Dunin is somebody from the state or simply uh, representing the state itself
1: oh yeah very very much so he is kind of like the stand-in for like government officials everywhere this kind of paternalist paternalistic we know what's best for you no don't think for yourself that's just going to cause trouble
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and just but, follow the rules and everything will be fine
2: but even with that it's pretty actually warm and accepting presentation of of the government like like you mentioned it's he he's mostly a paternal figure and he is someone who ...doesn't really mean ill to anyone. He... he, Mm -hmm. Even... I I would actually go as far as to say that... ...to to a certain point... ...he is actually quite correct in in his... ...in in his view... ...that that you shouldn't really depart too far from... ...from following the rules. Since the, the rules are kind of attested and true... ...and if you stick by the rules... It, it, you you kind of eliminate the,
1: the chance of of harm. Yes, yeah, he's it's very 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 risk averse. But yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that you said that, Henrik, because I it is interesting that he, as you say, he is not presented as a villain. He's kind of like mm-hmm. he's Inichkin's kind of antagonist, but he yeah he's not he's not doing things to be horrible. He's just he's just super convinced that he knows what's best which the film possibly doesn't agree with but he's he's not regarded as a horrible figure and I compare this say with like John Hughes movies where like often adult authority figures are just like just kind of horrible and basically just a bit dickish and he's he, he's Deenan is not presented that way at all he's just like silly rather than like malevolent (laughs) yeah and you you're
2: stating that that he works as an antagonist of the film which he does he is the main source of conflict at least or from the perspective of inochkin yeah he's something that inochkin has to find a way to get around and well, for the majority of the film, to hide himself from. But it's a uh, bit be- between Junín and Inochkin. It's it's not so much a conflict uh, on a personal level as it's kind of a, what they both present. Inochkin is uh, that the conflict of the film strongly is individualism versus the government. Driven rules. Or, yeah. or the institutionalism.
0: Dunin being be yeah. kind of the tool of the state, maybe not really anything more or less.
1: Yeah. There is one scene though where you see um uh Dinan's, like paranoia. And, like he's talking to uh, uh, Valia Valya, who's one of like the junior leaders mm. of, of the camp, and he says, You've just got one Enochkin to worry about. I've got like I forget exactly how many he says, but like hundreds. Yeah. And and the the I, the idea is that he sees every every all of the kids as like a potential Enichkin like rebel, and he's just really worried about that. And it's a theme that they kind of return to again and again. Um, then again, he
2: isn't completely wrong with that. I mean, the film with Enochkin it starts when Dunning is going through all, all the past grievances that Inotskin has caused, and yes. in all of those instances, it, 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 the grievance has been that Inotskin has started to do something. He has he he started to fence with with sticks, and he started to read books uh, under his bed sheets. And essentially, once Inotskin started to do that, everybody started to co- copy him. So there is kind of this. Essentially, every kid has the capability and the possibility to be Inochkin.
1: Yes, but he's particularly worried about, yeah, people people like Inochkin setting a bad example, and then everyone, you know, getting ideas in their head. Yeah,
0: yeah, this kind of rebel movement starts to build up,
2: and that's what happens in in the film. Like once once Inochkin has to sneak back into the camp. Basically, every, like like the entire group three, as they are being referred in the film, they at least the boys, they all start to have ideas in their head, which well, some of them are even dangerous, and some of them are conspirious in the, in their nature.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, the situation with Inuchkin is like the catalyst for them kind of like, quote unquote, misbehaving. Uh, that is doing things that Dean and the rest of the like camp leadership wouldn't approve of. It's like, yeah, because Inuchkin is is, is around, they're, they're stepping out of line.
0: I paid attention to how shocking it is that everybody is on board to hide Inuchkin from the very first moment when you see him collecting all the food under the tables for himself and all that
1: yeah he does quite well out of it like you, you know so you see that bowl being passed around it's like he's probably getting more than 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 everyone is <sighs> everyone else is just because like if you get one like bit of food from everyone it adds up as uh, to more than like an individual serving but,
0: but still there is this uh well i i don't know how fair it is to say but this let's say a local babushka who is actually a kid this kind of an informer who just appears everywhere
1: (laughs) yes something is
0: being done wrong let's report
1: yeah 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 this the the snitch (laughs) yeah there are kind of there are two
2: well i i don't know if this is this is the correct term to use but running gag characters in the, in the film, the first one is, is the snitch, and then there is the the young boy who has the shirt with the number 13 on yeah. it. And the running gag with him is that he constantly appears in different situations, asking what is going on, and everybody just tells him to fuck off.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: I wonder what was actually the real point here. Was it su- just suppo- supposed to be funny on its own like that, or there's something behind it? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I didn't know what the subtext was of that, whether he's like, because I get the impression, I don't know whether it's just his size, but he seems to be, I don't know whether he's meant to be one of the junior leaders himself, but he definitely seems like slightly older than the kids that he's constantly going up to and saying like, what's going on here? Yeah, So.
0: but it is kind of funny on its own because he always manages to pop up when when something extremely weird is happening.
1: Yeah, um, and he just kind of, he just has like, it's brilliant casting because they managed to pick a kid who just has a really kind of like dopey expression on his face and something about his voice that's yeah. just kind of, what's going on?
0: <laughs> and yeah, Inoshkin breaks the cardinal cardinal rules here and leaves the camp area to the island in the beginning of the movie. And yes. I suppose this is um uh, Correct translation, let's uh, assume that it is this word defected happens here.
1: Yeah, I actually have my doubts about that because the Russian word that they uh, that they use is just says he left, um, he mm. went out. Um, so my Russian isn't quite good enough to know whether that has the subtext of defecting. But yeah, uh, so I thought I was maybe a slightly like, over-interpreted translation, but I would have to defer to uh, Russian listeners whether that's whether that okay. word would have that subtext. But I did think that was a very funny translation.
0: And interestingly, the kids who defected to this island, they, they take their pants off. And uh, I suppose this is some kind of a analogous to being free... The rules put on them.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, in, in that regard, um, Inochkin is is something like a Soviet like proto Bart Simpson. In that he's, uh, yeah. The, the first time we see him, he's he's yeah. like wa- waggling waggling his butt uh, at the at the screen.
0: Yeah, this as you were pointing it out so uh, nicely in your episode, it's it must be the first. Introduction of a character that I've seen where we first see the character's butt.
1: Yeah. yeah that that then yes, I, I imagine there's probably other films where that's yeah. true, but yeah, it's definitely unconventional. Yeah. Um and certainly unusual in a children's film. <laughs> there's yeah. quite a lot of nudity in this in this movie, considering that it's a kid's film. Um, uh,
0: then again, I I think the Russians seem to have a little bit more relaxed way of depicting well at least the children in in this way.
1: Yes, yes, certainly certainly if you compare it to like British or American attitudes like um uh-huh. Andrei Tarkovsky's uh, Ivan's childhood um yeah, Ivan has his kit off for uh, a scene which again is like it's you're you're quite surprised to see that much in a in a film, uh, at least compared to like what would be usual for uh, like British or American cinema.
0: Yeah. So Inochkin returns to the camp. I didn't find any analogy here, but this is just the beginning of the gleeful part, where ho- the whole breaking of rules goes into absurdity.
1: Yes. Yeah. So he hides out under like the rostrum. Uh, as there's like a, a a space under there, so he can just like hang out under there and and like evade the the leadership <laughs> of the camp.
0: Yeah, children are masters of the pioneer camp, and doesn't exactly happen. <laughs> this is the yeah, institution model. Yeah, it's kind
1: of it's kind of funny because that's the official slogan of the camp, and we know that it's actually like from the point of view of the camp leadership it's super disingenuous because it's really not that way at all but actually in reality the kids are basically like de facto in charge because uh dinan is so clueless that all of this stuff is going on behind his back and he's not aware of it
0: i found something about the final scene as well that uh... Where they are flying over the river, they were apparently hung on a thin rope to the dome of the Mosfilm pavilion, and oh, so really? for safety measures, there were also some two more steel threads uh, applied, and which dug into the body so much that the boys even tried to refuse to shoot the scene, but it happened.
1: Oof. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so I mean, not quite as bad as like firing, firing. Uh, live rounds over the heads of—I've um, oh, forgotten the name of the actor in uh, "In Come and See," but still, you know.
0: Yeah, my God.
1: Questionable from a health and safety point of view.
0: I'm um, pretty sure that Babushka wasn't attached to anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could see yeah. that she's slightly, you know, positioned in a way that probably not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the like the less kind of good from a technical point of view, but it's kind of like because it's a fantastical scene. I kind of give it a pass.
0: Actually, I I thought that the the way that they were lit and everything, I I think it was pretty much as good as you can get with the back projection stuff. Mm. Not too bad. Yeah but...
1: yeah, but I mean, in terms of in terms of like stuff in the film that makes you think oh yeah i'm watching a 50 plus year old film apart from the fact it's in black and white of course as that tends to be a bit more common back then but Yeah. yeah generally it's just a very like it's a very stylish film visually which is kind of unusual for a comedy i mean maybe maybe a wes anderson comedy but like a more sort of common and garden like comedy like that amount of attention generally isn't given to the visuals um i don't know like edgar wright as well is very much like about everything in the frame being perfect but it's you know if you're talking about something like i don't know the hangover movies then i don't think they they kind of display that level of attention to detail let's say maybe i'm being unfair i don't know
0: (laughs) yeah i'd say it's not perfect but uh, yeah it goes with the whole Fantasy aspect pretty pretty well and um what do you think the ending kind of means if anything it's just being free
1: yeah I think so I don't have I don't have like a, a grandiose theory I think it's I think it's just yeah celebrating being able to do do your own thing a bit more but um, like I'm not quite sure what the what the reading of the situation with um with Dinin is, whether he's fired or whether it's more just he kind of has like a semi nervous breakdown and just decides he's had enough. Um uh.
0: yeah and what what indeed happens there, like I'm not even sure if Dunin sees sees Inochkin on top of this structure or he is just confused a bit of what's going on.
1: Yeah, I think I think what happens is the um, is uh, Mitrofanov, who is the important official who uh, whose niece is at the camp, just gets a bit fed up with um, having to watch the very, very stilted pre-planned like uh, ceremony event that, that or like production that he's having to watch and just tells the kids and and everyone who's at the parents' day, let's just go off to the beach. It's a nice day, and so <laughs> that's what everyone does. And Dean's plans of this like perfectly or- orchestrated event are just yeah. like dashed to pieces. <laughs> um,
0: I gotta say, I also loved the way that they were preparing for this whole parents' day, where kind of the assistants trying to set up everything and do the training rehearsals. Uh, they seem to be really pissed off. At least this one guy, sometimes really just explodes. Like,
1: yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, um, and there's also the bit where they're wanting to do something that's kind of different from the standard approved program. They want to do like a uh, an adaptation of a Mayakovsky um, poem, and Mayakovsky was a a a, po- a poet who was. Uh, i forget when he died i think it was the early 30s um a supposed suicide that's kind of like regarded as really quite suspicious but he was very much a poet who was about freedom and like smashing the old order kind of thing so Mm. even though he was very pro-soviet he was also regarded as being super subversive so um so that's why dean is kind of like um yeah maybe maybe we shouldn't do a poem by this guy and also the poem mentions adam and eve so he's a bit like yeah we we don't want that kind of religious stuff uh, as that's as that's like not soviet so uh yeah let's let's not do this this guy's work let's just stick with the pre approved program that everyone is happy with <laughs> um
0: i also found this i'm not sure how valid this is, but it seemed that when these kids were involved with the production, there were some days, or rather a night, when they went to play outside, in secret, went out of their room's window. They went to play, and they took some flashlights. They played war, and then next morning these kids would all be very lethargic, and they would notice that some of the flashlights of the production had just disappeared. So they looked into it and one of one of the adults then noticed one of those kids outside doing this. <laughs> that kind yeah, of yeah, I was I talking think... about the actual actors that they would do this. Oh,
1: real. really? Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, so kind of life Im- imitating art.
0: <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm just imagining a scenario where the film doesn't get made because because the, the kids who are supposed to be the actors are just, like, too rebellious. Uh, that would be pretty ironic.
0: <laughs> Henrik, any crazy theories about the ending or the movie in general? Something like James Bond is a communist. <laughs> 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 well, I think that everybody
2: in the film is, is a communist. <laughs> I. I, I have a, I have a slight feeling like you can call that a hunch.
0: <laughs> okay, good enough.
1: A radical notion.
0: You had this uh, Russian guest, Tanya Lukyanova, in your podcast Ali. And yes. I believe he studied filmmaking and he was quite resourceful about uh,
1: you know Russian films and this film yes yeah so um so yeah she's uh she's russian she grew up in moscow but uh now lives in the states so she kind of okay. has that sort of you know she kind of like knows the kind of russian classics from her her childhood i think i think her family were involved in the film industry but uh yeah uh she kind of has the have has the benefit of like both kind of perspectives having had like the western film education on top of like that like russian base um yeah
0: yeah very nice And good could kind of quote the movie at any point and grew up with it that kind of film. yes
1: yeah i think i think she'd seen it like goodness knows how many how many times but it was such a favorite that she had no problem uh like revisiting it for for the episode i did um yeah oh. that was it, it was definitely an episode because i haven't had too many russian guests on my show but oh. it was it was definitely an episode which particularly benefited from having somebody who was very familiar with the with the movie
0: yeah i noticed that uh at least you have had visitors i believe from ex-soviet countries
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah we had um, uh, my friend from my Moscow days, Ina, who um, uh, she's uh, she's now living in the States as well. But uh, yeah, her her family um, or one half of one side of her family is from Uzbekistan. So, yes, like part of the former Soviet Union, but like uh, very much it's it's. Uh, uh its own thing and different from and different from russia as well so that's nice getting the the perspective of of people who kind of like have have an insight into the like the like russian speaking world but uh don't have like uh a, you know the totally same perspective on it right um yeah i'd be curious to know what she thought of uh <laughs> of, of uh, welcome or no trespassing but i've i've, I've never asked
0: yeah yeah, great podcast. Everybody who's listening, let's go to check out Russophiles Unite movie podcast, and of course we will provide some links and everything later on. But uh,
1: awesome, thank you.
0: Yeah, there are of course locations where this film was shot. They might not say a hell of a lot for people listening to this podcast unless you're Russian, but this town called. Tuapse has been floating around, where at least there was a Central Committee of Komsomol's a camp, a pioneer camp. And then there was one around the Tula region, in a town called Bor. And in total it seems that there were three summer camps used for the film, at least according to the information that I gathered. Around the period of 4.5 months that this was filmed, so one of these locations is outside of Moscow. Not sure if it's really a suburb, but uh, like a drivable distance, let's say.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because like, um, it's one of those sort of movie magic things. It never occurred to me that it was multiple different places. Like they yeah. do such a good job of making it seem like, seamless, like it's just one place.
0: I'm resisting the urge to say something about... So Soviet architecture and how it might look similar.
1: <laughs> well, indeed, like uh, <laughs> there's a whole movie about that satirizes that. I don't know if uh, if you've come across um, the irony of fate, where the whole plot revolves about around Soviet architecture <laughs> being very similar from place to place. But if you haven't, it's it's it, it's a it's a fun movie. It's it's very long, um but is uh, it's definitely worth a look.
0: Yeah, okay. I'd love to see it.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a Christmas movie. Oh wait, I mean it's not a Christmas movie because you know Christmas isn't a thing in the Soviet Union. Um, it's a New Year's movie, so they, they it it typically gets shown every every single year on the, on the thirty first of December, um, as that's when the plot is set as well. All right. Yeah, it's much 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 better than Yolki, <laughs> which you've covered on this show. <laughs> I mean, Yolki's kind of fun, uh, but yeah, uh, Ironia Sudbui, The Irony of Fate is is, uh, much more of a classic, (laughs) I would say. Uh,
0: Yeah, Uh, I believe I found your podcast by searching on my podcast application on Android for other podcasts that have covered Yolki, or was it like that that you connected first and said that oh somebody else is also covering Yolki? i think it was i think
1: it might have been i think it might have been like i was curious to see whether anyone else had covered that movie (laughs) on their show (laughs) i think that's how i stumbled across you guys yeah that was yeah that was a few years ago now
0: yeah Uh, okay those crazy fins did it yeah Yeah, this uh, director has indeed done some crazy tonal switches. Like this is a children's uh, or this kind of a family type of movie. And then there is this come and see. And I uh, very much recommend that you watch it at least once in your lifetime. And uh, this is a director that didn't do quite that many films. And he was really selective about his films. And perhaps a bit uh, authoritative uh, when selecting his projects
1: yeah i think he also just ran into like many um directors just ran into a lot of censorship problems like his his film agony which i haven't seen yet which is uh mostly focuses on rasputin and his uh relationship with the last Tsar, um was made i think in the early to mid 70s and didn't See the light of day until like the early '80s. It was just, I think, it was regarded to have been too sympathetic to, uh, to the Romanovs. So it's just like, nope, no one's seeing that. Um, and then they eventually relented. Um, but yeah, I, I think he had he had problems with the censors. Uh, for
0: yeah, I also stumbled on an article that said that uh, the Tovarish Dunin, played by however you pronounce that, Evgeny Evstigniev?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Evgeny um, I think, is the closest I'm going to get to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, was an actor that Klimov absolutely wanted for this project. And mm-hmm. then the studio said that, no, you're not going to have him. And then there was some kind of a back and forth, back and forth. And then finally Klimov gave the ultimatum as, the, as in his, like, debut film he told the studio that well either i'm gonna have my evgeny or or you are going to do the film by yourself so then they (laughs) wow (laughs) gave the green light
1: oh wow um yeah that i i'd not heard that story but that yeah that does that does sound from other things i've heard about klimov (laughs) it does seem like he was like willing to put his foot down um yeah actually this this is um I hadn't realised this, but um, he Yevstigniev was also in a film from the late '80s, which is an adaptation of um, Mikhail, Mikhail Bulgakov's uh, sh- very—I mean, it's not a short story; it's more like a very short novel called *Heart of a Dog*. But in that film, I mean, it was like from nearly 20 years later, but he was totally un- unrecognisable because the character is so different. So. It was one of those ones where I watched the film and then I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder who who was the, you know, because sometimes I don't really pay attention to the cast list as it's as it's yeah. coming up. I was just like, oh, I wonder who the main actor was. I was like, really? That's Comrade Deanin I did not recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> um because it's like such a different character, but yeah. I guess it's it's just you you, you get used to certain actors playing many very similar roles and that means that sometimes you can kind of underestimate other actors range
0: yeah speaking of range I I think uh, the actor of Inochkin is doing a pretty fantastic job here as well
1: yeah he's. I mean generally I find like the kids are all really good
0: yeah they are Uh, the director Klimov had some experience at least in the later parts of his career even more experience with working with uh, kids and seem to know his way around this subject matter in common see already
1: <laughs> yeah I mean it never feels like super forced which is often the problem with child actors is it does feel very much like they're just reciting the things that they've been forced to memorize and it's, uh, and it's very stilted but yeah you don't get that sense with this at all
0: and uh, special point about Anatoly Kuznetsov who does the cinematography according to IMDB here so thank you for your services this was really a pleasure to watch I think it's gorgeously shot through and throughout
1: oh yeah it's such a fantastic looking movie I was looking at his other uh, film credits because I was kind of like oh what else has he done yeah and I mean he did do other stuff but there was no there was no names of films that really jumped out at me as being famous russian or soviet movies so i'm still curious about the other things he did but there's there's nothing that's like super famous but yeah it's incredible to look at i mean i really especially like the the night shots Mm -hmm. just like the lighting is it's it it's so so beautiful to look at
0: yeah it is definitely bookmarking this guy to check out more herrick would it be quickest at this point
2: I guess it
0: would All we right, have
2: so. o- already gone longer than the film it itself actually runs so.
0: <laughs> yes yeah, yeah we should
1: we should say it's a very slight run time it's like 70 odd minutes
0: it is and uh, you definitely don't get tired watching it's keeping a really nice space but what was your favorite performance maybe starting with Henrik?
2: Um, from my end and I'm none of the performances were were bad, but my favourite was and i most likely I'm gonna butcher the name completely, but Yevgeny Yev- The the dude who plays Dinin. Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, uh, same here, yeah. Um I'm also uh giving my, my vote to Yevstignev uh he's he's so good
0: <laughs> he's really good yeah he has a lot a lot of fun things to do here so but if anything else uh i would have to go with Victor Kosich here
1: yes yeah he's if he if he wasn't good then the whole film would fall, fall flat so he he really carries it off in his like role as being the main kid
0: yeah yeah, he has kind of this uh, rather m- mature posture or or way of playing, I don't know, maybe more so than the other kids. So that mm. may be why, yeah. it, why it works.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I thought he, the actor was much younger than he actually was. I think he was 13 or 14 when this was shot, but I thought he was like 9 or 10. <laughs> um, so maybe the fact that he was actually... Okay, older, older than he looks. Like is part of like the conveying the sort of maturity, even if you know he obviously has his flights of, of, of fancy.
0: Yeah. All right. What was your favorite quote or line?
2: Well, mine, Alasar, goes to Dinin To Blame more weights to my argument that Dean is not a bad guy and actually was meaning well throughout the film but this is when the kids hide that plate full of meatballs into the magic box and it turns into a sparrow <laughs> and Dean remarks you are p- pioneers and you are you torture the bird this is wrong <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, it does. It does show a a, a like hitherto like not obvious like humanitarian uh, uh, slash humane aspect to the character. Yeah, he's he's concerned about this bird's welfare. Um, yeah, my favorite line. Like, I don't feel like this is a film full of like like catchy one liners particularly, but I do enjoy the bit where he's like recounting all of uh, Enichkin's like quote-unquote, crimes. And he says the thing about, like, an Enochkin got a flashlight slash torch and was reading under the covers, and then everyone was reading, as if, like, reading itself is, yeah. a, is a bad activity. But it just tells you so much about Deanan's mentality that, like, you know... And other things that, else, that come up elsewhere in, in, in the film where he's, like, criticising Valia for, like, reading an author because she finds him funny... Um, it's just, it's just so you know, illustrative of his worldview.
0: I wonder if it was also kind of illustrative that, oh, if you read too much, yeah, don't do that because you might just get to know too much about the Soviet system, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like we curiosity is not something that we encourage here. Yeah. yeah. Um. How about you, Carrie? Did you? What was your favorite line?
0: Well, there's this moment when one of the kids uh, comes to that stage and the. the Inochkin is under this stage and they're having this like discussion there and then uh, he has drawn this one picture for the magazine about Inochkin. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and and he tries to save the situation by saying I jumped into nettle for you. I thought was that was poetic.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that scene is very much like a you really feel like those kids pain of having to jump into into the nettles. It's 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 very like it makes my skin crawl every time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Three adjectives to describe the film. Henrik Who's gonna start? Henrik Henrik Henrik.
2: Uh mine are light, like tonally, wise mm-hmm. visual because at times this this really is and Hmm.
0: For me, nothing fancy at this time, but very valid in my world. Gorgeous, funny, and creative.
1: Awesome. Um, my three are playful, satirical, and energetic. Very nice. I don't know about you, but... Um... This didn't happen particularly the first time I watched it, but every subsequent time, just some of the music um just has got stuck in my head. Um like uh I was annoying my wife earlier today by just going la 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 I was just like I'm sorry, I can't help it.
0: You know, because I heard that and then all the variations of that, I was thinking that I'm going to do a disservice for everybody, uh, for the listeners, and start the episode with the la 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 la
1: la 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 la. la.
0: But I'm not. Oh, that you totally cool. should. You totally should.
1: <laughs> I mean, you make people watch "Come and See" as their Christmas movie. I don't think that that's <laughs> 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 that you could be accused of like. <laughs> <Touché>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Dot dot dot. Uh, yes. <laughs> Would you recommend, Henrik?
2: Um. Well,
0: yeah.
2: I am not as passionate about the film as, apparently the two of you.
1: Not again.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> who could have so, seen this coming? <laughs> <laughs>
0: once again. Once again. Let, it's, let, it's... let me guess. You have seen this million times before.
1: And I, I
2: have <laughs> seen th- this one million times before. <laughs> But uh, like previous time when when we were dealing with Russian comedy I my, my biggest gripe back then and even now is that I just didn't find it that funny
0: Yeah it doesn't translate that well I guess all the time
2: Like uh to to me this is more and I'm not saying I'm not saying that this is a bad film. I like this a hell of a lot more than our previous Russian comedy. <laughs> but I related this film more to, to the kind of a period uh, period peace like children's adventure films. Like to give you give you give you give you guys uh some some kind of type of reference from, from Sweden's end. I, mm. wa- I was thinking a hell of a lot of, of Emil or <laughs> Pippi Longstocking. Bo- both who are characters that I Abhor. more or less just can't stand. <laughs> and to, to me this had a hell of a lot of that same same type of tone. Mm. It's, it's kind of a children's adventure film and there is some kind of a overblown like obstacle that they have to find a way around and the way that they find it's 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 partly it's it's partly well kids just manage to do it and it's partly just like like half acidly fantastical as it is in in this film where meatballs turns into pigeons and you know you name it and I'm I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's a bad thing really like I I did like those fantastical elements within the film I did like its adventurous spirit and because of that yeah in the end I am giving it a recommendation like I think that this is this is pretty solid, it's, it's fast-going, it's lighthearted, fun for fun-for-the-whole-family type of deal. Your kids might get some nice, nice adventure film vibes from this one. So, on, on that regard, by all means, yeah, check it out. But my recommendation, it will be kind of a lukewarm, kind of, kind of a diet recommendation. Because, for me, the, the satire didn't exactly work. And most of all, this still being labelled as a comedy. Well, I I smirked a couple of times, but I really didn't laugh.
0: Okay. I found myself laughing in the first 5-10 minutes. And uh, Henrik at and least. And then you
2: then you were dead, dead serious. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. Mm, well, no. But at least Henrik th- I, I don't really get that Pippi B- Longstroom or B- belongs talking emul vibe where. In Pippi Longstocking there are some scenes in the series where Pippi Longstocking builds this makeshift airplane with her friends and uh, here it's something that is is—it's coming from his imagination whereas in Pippi it's actually happening.
2: Well, it is and it's not. Like uh, Pippi is is way more upon her own ass when it comes to her adventures where she just Cre- creates everything, but and and on that regard, yeah, yeah, that's not what happens in this film. But this film also has like those, those type of moments. Like, well, your main char- character is is someone who manages to hide underneath the the platform or inside of it for God knows how many days needs one bathroom break and when he needs that it's extremely easy the kids just you know they uh, they pretend to be what was it ballet walking
1: yes what? basically it's like a a it's not a quartet it's like a trio of musicians and he basically just hides behind them as they as they walk as they're playing and Dean is very impressed by their technical ability the fact that they can walk and play at the same time when the only reason they're doing it is to is to hide this kid so yeah I totally agree it does require you to suspend your disbelief quite a lot that he wouldn't just get caught straight away but yeah I kind of feel like it's allowed to be fantastical I'm, i but, i don't
2: think you're meant to take it as
1: like it is it is, it
0: is really happen. It, yeah it, it that, is that that's it's just the kind of it's kind of the point partly that the adults are put as some kind of idiots in this film partly mm.
2: it is it is the point and yes you can do that and that is exactly why i think that this will res- would resonate pretty well for with, with kids but that that's also the situation that that I, I saw in email and, and Pippi films. And even though I'm not folding the the movie because because I, I've seen this dynamic and and this this light-hearted atmosphere in movies before, but that's just something that never really worked for me. It didn't work for me in email, it didn't work for me in Pippi. And it also doesn't work for me here. That, like that's just something that really isn't for me.
1: Mm, it's just a trope that you don't particularly enjoy. It's it's essentially it's a
2: it's a tone. It, it, it's a tonal thing for me.
1: Mm.
2: Like the, 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 there's a certain tone with the film, and I just I personally I just don't resonate with that tone that strongly. I usually I, I need something else there to distract me from the total to give me something more if if I'm gonna really love um, this type of film or a film that carries the, this this light-hearted children's tone in it it's it's the, like it, it's the same problem I, I have with the with the very ending of, of, of this film when they are flying over them over the river or where wherever they go to swim and once again, no, no, the the film doesn't make any any crimes. It doesn't really do anything wrong with that scene, but it's just scene that doesn't work for me. I I always feel completely distracted from from those moments. From or, or on the on films, I felt it. I felt it here, and it's it's just that the tone is off. I just can't connect with it.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I think we can all all agree that that was also a part of the fantasy and not actually happening. No.
2: Well, who knows? I mean, fucking plate of, <laughs> full of meatballs turns into a pigeon here.
0: You know, no, it was a pigeon on top of the meatballs, of course.
2: But they, they didn't put the pigeon into the box. They just put a box in, in. or they just take the plate and put it inside the box.
0: They put the pigeon there between the takes. So it's, it's kind of a surprise for the audience. Like, Oh, okay. Nicely
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe,
2: maybe they got, got a crane also on the set, you know, behind the scenes or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah I always took that as that was meant to be like a kind of like magic box and their and their um yeah. it, as it's part of like the magic their magic trick for the show and that's what they want to be their talent. so it kind of makes sense that they would have a box with like a trapdoor or something but yeah clearly it's not something that Dean approves of.
0: <laughs> but he seems to take those pretty lightly also when something like this happens. I don't think there's any repercussions for this bitch and there's no repercussions for the for the other other adults being under the structure or similar type of things.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like he expresses his displeasure, and then it's just like, yeah. fine, just yeah, don't do it again. He's uh, not that bad of a guy. Yeah, uh, which I find is kind is kind of refreshing to have that level of nuance in an authority figure in a film like this it's i think it's way more interesting than just them being horrible like straight up and having nothing more to them than than that
0: yeah and i believe you would recommend the film
1: uh yes (laughs) (laughs) no hate it hate (laughs) it avoid (laughs) uh yeah
0: yeah without a doubt recommendation from here it's too but
1: awesome. So two hearty recommendations and one like, eh, it's not the worst way of spending seventy plus minutes. <laughs> I I do maintain
2: that your kids might like, it. hell, you might like it also if you have something something like Carly,
0: but... It's an adult film. <laughs> I mean, not that kind of film, but
1: I mean, for adults. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Uh... <laughs> Moving on, Henrik. You really know you're watching this very long title in Russian. When?
2: When you're a little, really not a problem at all. Antics get your grandma killed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, um, so mine is you really know you're w- watching Welcome or No Trespassing when a dopey kid comes up to you and asks what you're doing and you just tell him to get lost
0: very nice you really know you're watching welcome or no trespassing when kids fly over water nothing fancy here that's what happens
1: <laughs> it does uh, I, I toyed with having when you get a uh, pig cam because uh, <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's another favorite uh, like sequence of mine when you when you have the camera like close in as the as the pig is like running amok uh,
0: yeah but, yeah it was kind of big cam.
1: it's it's not quite like the trike shot from uh, uh from the shining but it's it's pretty good
0: there were some there were two reviews for this film on imdb writer olvaso said that quote Turns people one by one to resistance fighters in quotation mark living in <laughs> illegality in quotation marks the ordinary citizens in quotation marks of the camp don't know who is the informer but they do their best to help the persecuted ones. End quote. Then there was H D E hyphen trust me, saying and the end with people magically flying across the river to the island is a bit surreal. But is like a tacit encouragement to break the rules, even if the method necessarily doesn't seem reasonably possible. <laughs> I thought it was a good observation.
1: Yeah, I'm just like reimagining this movie as like, uh, oh, what's uh, what's that French film from like 1969 or 70? The uh, like that resistance movie, uh, Army of Shadows. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, <you> may... <laughs> That could be a Chris. That could be a flick lag Christmas movie. That's about the right tone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, keep that in uh, mind.
2: Well, it's, it's it's not too late
1: yet. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm implanting ideas. I, maybe I'm the Inichkin of this episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I remember in your episode that there was some talk about some parallels or similarities with Battleship Potemkin.
1: Oh yeah, I mean it's the main one we talked about is how the uh the camp doctor looks very much like a woman who features in the step the very famous step sequence of uh, mm. of of Battleship uh, Potemkin just be... it's just the shape of her face and the fact that she's wearing these like rounded glasses um <laughs> uh yeah, that is one of my favourite gags in this film. is the is is that when she yells and it and it turns into a siren. It's yeah. it's a very it's a cheap gag, but because it's so unexpected, it's <laughs> using the same uh,
0: shot twice. Also,
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's good. Um, I mean, this this film is is not above uh, like going. Well, I think this gag worked once, so let's just keep repeating it. Uh,
0: there is one rather. I guess there's no other way to say it, but inappropriate moment in the beginning five minutes when Inochkin goes in his introduction. uh, Quote, if you must know, I do 100 meters in 2 minutes, 12 seconds. If I were a woman, I would be a swimming champion in the USSR. End quote.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's just to do with what the record times were at that time, I I, I assume. (laughs) Um,
0: I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I guess you can read it differently. Henrik, did you find anything funny about that?
2: You you mean the film or, or that moment that, that quote?
0: Yeah, that quote. No. Yeah. No. For, for for both of them, no. <laughs> I'm trying to fish for something controversial. You
2: you desperately <laughs> try to, to try to get get a stronger recommendation or
0: all right, so this got some positive critical acclaim, as stated about thirteen million viewers in the USSR back then, and uh, I think this is a great point to discuss more, Mister Pitts. So, where can people find your podcast?
1: Ah, uh, well, on any podcast platform, I think you should be able to find me. So it's just Russophiles Unite Movie Podcast. So. Just wherever, whatever podcatcher you use, I should be on there. I'm also on the usual social media places. If you just search Roos Unite, you should find me on, on, on Twitter. And then I've got my own personal account on Twitter as well, which is Alistair underscore Pitts. So yeah, say hi. Tell me that you hated this movie. <laughs> Why <laughs> did I recommend it to you?
0: And you have a caffeine affection, affection uh, Caffeine addiction. But- affliction
1: awesome. addiction yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on ko-fi as well so <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. I, I drink too much of the of the black stuff yeah uh, you can yes
0: drop a dime there
1: yes that would be that would be very kind <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> any other links that you want to drop
1: oh uh, i mean i suppose i'm on letterboxd as well i think my handle is just Alley, which is a double l y and then double underscore because i really thought that decision through give myself a nice <laughs> memorable handle but um uh, probably if you just go to twitter you can find uh, my link from there so yeah yeah if you're on letterboxd uh, uh look me up um and you'll see other film related stuff oh i could probably say pod chaser as well like i don't know if yeah. you know, if you've come across that uh uh, as as they like to style themselves the uh the IMDb of podcasts so if you if you look yeah. me up on there you can you can see the other podcast episodes I've I've guested on so yes all your alley related podcast needs in one place woohoo
0: yay
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was the level of enthusiasm i was going for thank you <laughs>
2: This, this is as 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 enthusiastic as two Finns can get. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Tiredness creeping in.
1: <laughs> it, it it's uh, a
2: shared yay from both
0: of us.
1: And there was much rejoicing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, um, we Finns tend to open up a bit more if we get to sauna and have our beers, and should try that yeah, one.
2: It, it, I was going it, to say, it's, it's it's either sh- sauna or getting drunk. <laughs>
1: Or, or Preferably both. combined. I mean, yeah, 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 just you know, make sure you stay hydrated. So that's definitely a a uh, a cultural thing that you share with your your neighbors across across the eastern border.
0: <laughs> and there uh. seems to be some confusion who started the sauna concept. Yeah,
1: I understand that this is a big rivalry. When it's kind of like you know what, it's not that complex an idea. It's possible that it could have originated in multiple places at the same time or you know near um, enough that it doesn't make any difference then again you know the british have no horse in this race so maybe i maybe i'm uh don't understand the level of passion that Finns and russians have for it so <laughs> um, yeah
0: well the the word has a very finnish sound i have no idea where it's coming from and all but mm. uh, let's call it a tie on my part what about henrik any idea
2: it it doesn't really matter who, who <laughs> invented it because the, the
0: you never care tru- about that. Truth
2: right. truth tru- is that it's a Finnish thing and essentially if if you're if you're not a Finn and you're using sauna that's co- cultural appropriation and you <laughs> should stop it you horrible beast.
1: <laughs> 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 well russians russians would say that they that they don't they don't use that word they they um much prefer to use their own words which is banya which is like oh. bathhouse so uh yes it's uh yeah um it definitely though we 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 use the word sauna over here and we don't even pronounce it right like it's, i'm guessing it should be more like sauna but yes
2: yeah but it, it, it's not just the word it's it's the place itself Right. <laughs> but like the physical space of sauna, it belongs to the Finns, And everybody else can get, just get the fuck out.
0: <laughs> I remember when I was a kid and I, my mother had recorded some Pink Panther cartoons on VHS. And I kept being a bit confused because I knew that this is not a Finnish cartoon. But there was a sign on the door that said sauna. So <laughs> what is my Finnish work doing in this film? <laughs> but yeah, I realized that it's used everywhere. Confusing. I would like to put some uh, poem on this episode, but Henrik, tell us. What, oh, what Jesus,
2: I... God, no! <laughs> 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 wow. Okay.
0: okay, okay. To be continued. But Henrik, what is our next week's film?
2: Well, kind of beats me. I I have I have three three recommendations. From where we can we can choose, or then you can just you know dictate your own.
1: It, it better be festive.
2: <laughs> the, the, all of these are extremely festive. The first one is is "Campus" from 2015, which is you know pure and clear Christmas horror movie,
0: <laughs>
1: horror Most comedy. To argue with.
0: Okay.
2: Um the the chicken, second one would be the children from 2008, because Christmas, most of all, it's a it's a, a family holiday. And the final would be 2001's Burr Harbour, because the real Burr <laughs> Harbour attacks happened during December 7th, so only, only a few days until Christmas from those attacks. A, a day that will live in infamy. Pretty much, yeah. Film that will live in, in infamy. <laughs> yes!
0: Again what was the second film?
2: The Children 2008.
0: Oh the yeah this this I've seen it before yeah. Uh, UK horror movie.
2: Okay. I, I m- make no confessions. It's a it's a film film that has families and Christmas is all about family. I
0: Fair enough. <laughs> I believe it's uh, directed by Tom Frankland. I mean Tom Shankland. So. <laughs> Huh, that these are tough choices. And of course, you didn't come up with anything international. You cheat.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Except maybe this UK can be considered, but yeah. Okay, well, uh, how about Krampus then?
2: Yeah, I, I'm game. I've never seen the film myself. So, you know, okay. first viewings
0: and all that. Okay. Adventure. Hilarious. Um, yeah, I guess it's time for some poem. Alexander Plock from Russia has this legendary poem that I stumbled on accidentally. As you guys, I, I guess you stumbled by being accidental about it. But uh, it's called Night Street Lamp Drugstore. And it goes like this. Night Street Lamp Drugstore. A dull and meaningless light. Go on and live another quarter century. Nothing will change. There's no way out. You'll die, then start from the beginning. It will repeat just like before. Night, icy ripples on a canal. Drugstore, street, lamp. And just like here, next week you have to start again listening to the next Flick Lab episode. It will repeat just like before. There's no way out. And,
2: uh, and be- before you start, you know, make sure that you visit the local drugstore.
0: <laughs> and, um... <laughs> Henrik, the, the, I guess we should talk about our format change here once again for the third time to inform our listeners. You can go ahead this time.
2: Okay, so, yeah, as, as Kari already mentioned, the format of the podcast will change oh. quite a lot. Following the New Year's hiatus when we finally, when we take our break and then return with the podcast. As some of you may have noticed, the, the tone and the style of the podcast has been changing, well, essentially through the entire course of our run. Like We are Ooh. already pretty far from from the point where we, we or from what we started off originally when this was much more making fun and being way too snarky and nitpicky for our own good but yeah we are going to go gonna go even further following the holidays this is gonna become a bi-weekly product no longer just weekly and we also are gonna well, if, if not entirely stop, at least limit a hell of a lot of our previous habit of going through one film in each episode. And we are going to ta- take a kind of, kind of a larger, more over-encompassing look on themes, most likely going through several films in one episode.
0: The hell are we doing here? Who told you this? Four movies for one episode?
2: Essentially what? Essentially, what what we are do doing, we aim we aim to you know ease off some of the background work that that we have to do for yeah, every right. episode. Yeah, right. And and the way where this this seems to be going is that we are gonna do even
1: more work. <laughs> <laughs> so best laid plans, eh? say. <laughs>
0: I'm afraid that knowing myself, this is probably be a nightmare and Arm straight part 4. Yeah. <laughs> and that at least going through the rest of the nightmare films. We could do something like this where we go through you know because nobody wants to listen to nightmare 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 million episodes separately. So it's better to talk about it as a, like one phenomena, what the hell happened type of episode. Mm-hmm. Same for Hellraiser, for example. But when it comes to more international, what our audiences might actually be interested in uh, is, let's say, we could look at a certain period in time. Maybe look at different new wave films from different countries. We could look at different trilogies once again, but with the context of maybe some country. Or looking at the cinema of a particular country, we should visit Azerbaijan and Armenia at some point.
2: I hope. Yeah, when when it comes to international cinema, it may very well be that we still on 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 international cinema we stick to the one film per episode structure, just so that we can kind of shine more light to the international cinema and you know individual pieces. Because when when it comes to when it comes to the American cinema, it's... It, it, it's much more kind of a piecemeal, more of a McDonald's movie experience. And therefore, it's a hell of a lot easier to just, you know, sum, them all, sum all of them up. Like, take the entire rest of the friend, a Hellraiser franchise, just deal with it all at once.
0: Well, if we're going to talk about Cinema of Azerbaijan, then that surely is going to encompass more than one film. Unfortunately, Henrik...
2: Well, I, I I did my best to save us some trouble. And there you go. There I go. Yeah, this is on you. <laughs>
1: Blocking up the escape route. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, once again, Ali, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. It's it's been a really fun fun chat.
0: <laughs> I certainly hope so. That you, you I hope you're not traumatized or anything.
1: <laughs> no, I think the odds of that happening were way lower than with Come and See. So I, I appreciate I appreciate that. Thank you.
2: But but still, hey, before we stop completely, since Come and See, since Come and once again got named, and both both Welcome and Come and See being from Klimov, and me getting flagged for not endorsing Welcome enough. <laughs> Honesty. Honest, honest answer, guys. Which one was a better film?
0: Well, how can you say that, really? They are so two different beasts, tonally.
2: Extremely easily. Come and see.
0: Well,
1: maybe. Yeah, I think I think it is an apples and oranges thing, but I think you can definitely see, like, you can definitely see that it's, this maybe not the same director, but it's a director of, like, of a very high caliber for both. Yeah, I mean, obviously Come and See has more of a weighty theme, and, like, is more resonant in that regard, but I still think, like, as a comedy, yeah, wel- Welcome or No Trespassing has lots to recommend about it, but, yeah, very different beasts, as you say, Gary.
0: Yeah,
2: I I still take this, this as a vindication. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, well, in a way, at least, for me, as a Finnish person, I suppose, come and see talks to me more than no trespassing. But that, that, uh, there you see it.
2: There you see it. But, but all,
0: all in all, if I would recommend films from from LM Klimov, then definitely check out both of them and see his range. I guess that would do it for this week.
2: Yeah, we we once again have completely butchered one international classic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for our listeners. You know where to find us as well in pretty much the same places as, as as Ali Pits. So uh, check those out. The continuation for this conversation is right there. Go comment on Facebook and please activate that place because it's dead as all hell at the moment.
2: Well, the last time our Facebook got activated. You you know, just, just please don't activate our Facebook
1: again. <laughs> Only nice comments, please.
0: Well, I guess the appropriate way to close this episode is everyone together, three, two, one.
1: La 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 I'm
0: so ashamed of you. <laughs> <laughs> that is a boycott from Henrik. <laughs> <laughs> See you
2: next week. I'm David
1: Dust with Anya. All right that was that was fun